Guys, some of you have asked me questions about the series that we're in. We can't stay here. I love that. But I also know it might be a little confusing. Is Andy talking about a new building? No, I'm not. (laughs) To your great disappointment, especially if you're on setup or breakdown. Uh, No, we don't have a new building. Uh, But we're starting a series because it's the beginning of the year. And when people come out of New Year's, what do they make at New Year's? They make resolutions. Anybody make resolutions this year? Anybody? Okay. Roughly about 50% of Americans make resolutions. Now, I didn't call mine resolutions, but I still made goals for this coming year. So it kind of counts, right? It's the same thing. It's sanctified. That's what it is. So the reality is this. If you want to go somewhere this coming year, if you want to achieve something you haven't achieved, if you want to experience something you haven't experienced with God, at your job, in a relationship, etc., that means that there is a leaving behind of the old and walking into something new. In other words, you cannot stay where you were if you want to experience something new. Does that make sense this morning? And so in order for us to experience what God has for us, there is an element of you not being able to stay where you currently are. Our church, I have great news for you. It cannot stay where it is. That is not God's will for our church. It's not actually God's will for you. And I know those words can sometimes sound frightening. Well, what do you mean I can't stay here? It still sounds kind of confusing. I'm not talking in general about a physical location as much as I am talking about the spiritual climate of your heart and your soul. You can't stay where you currently are because God wants to grow you. And that can sometimes be exciting and it can also sometimes be painful. So great. Aren't you so happy you're here this morning? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Albert Einstein says this. It's a quote you've probably read a thousand times. People make little memes out of it and put it on Facebook. But he says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Don't we do that with our spiritual life? We're coming into the new year and so many people, including you, including myself, are looking at 2016 and are saying to themselves, this is a year I'm going to grow in faith. I'm going to grow in spiritual discipline. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to experience and do X, Y, Z more. And yet if you don't change anything here, it is actually insane to think that you would experience something different over here. You're insane. Once again, aren't you happy to be here? I just accused you of being insane. It's awesome. Happy New Year. So guys, here are a couple reasons why. I want to explain this for us, and then we're going to get into the Bible, and this is going to set us up for the rest of this month because there are a lot of exciting things in front of us. There are also some difficult things in front of us as a church and for you. We've got a church plant 
already in the mix and in the works and we're beginning to put screws in on it and pray about it and, and, and put the plans in place for a potential additional high point here in Atlanta, it's going to require some heavy lifting. It's going to require great leadership and great prayer. It's going to require generosity. It's going to require us being willing to not stay where we are so we can go someplace else with God. The reason people don't stay where they are, four top reasons. Why do you, why do you leave where you currently are? First one, danger. Sometimes it can be dangerous to stay where you are. Like literally. Anybody ever been in a position where your life was in danger? I have. I studied abroad in Austria. Sounds like I'm bragging. I, I studied abroad in Austria. I had, a, I had a semester overseas. And I was out and about with a bunch of friends that I went to school with there in Vienna. And there was a guy that was following me. And I kid you not... We got on this little Ferris wheel, and he's got a little trench coat on, and he has this gigantic machete-type knife. He'd been following me for about an hour and a half. And like anyone with a measure of intelligence, when the ride stopped, we kind of acted like we were doing one thing, and then we bolted. I ran as fast as my tennis shoes could possibly carry me. I don't know if the guy meant harm. He probably was as nice as could be. But I didn't stick around to find out. And there are things, guys, you don't stay where you are at times because it can be dangerous. There are threats. You know who threatens your very existence and our very existence as a church? Satan. And in our day and age, we don't talk about the devil a whole lot. He doesn't get a whole lot of mic time these days. But I want to remind you something this morning. As we're beginning this new year, you have an enemy who hates you and hates what you believe. He hates what you stand for. And he will do anything to resist you, to make the straight path that you're walking on crooked, to deter you from the narrow path, to get you on the wide path. And he will do the same for the entirety of our church. And for us to simply stay where we are because it feels nice and feels comfortable would be a great danger. Because there is a devil, the Bible says, who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Thank you. Steal and destroy. He's got one thing on his mind, and that's wrecking your life. And wrecking this church's life. One of the other things that people do that causes them to leave where they are is pain. People don't like change, do they? I don't. I mean, some of you guys are moving, so maybe you love change. But for the most part, people are averse to change. And they will rather stay in pain than face the unknown. You've seen this before in toxic relationships. This just might even be you this morning. Where people stay in a toxic relationship because they fear the unknown more than the pain of where they are currently sitting. 
And yet something happens over time. As your pain increases, eventually that pain becomes greater than your fear. And it forces you to move. You can't stay here. Pain causes you to not stay. And the two that probably apply to us in our church the most. And then we're going to unpack this in scripture. Is growth... And the last one is purpose. At our house with Christmas, you know, we've got four, yes, four children. Whew. And Christmas presents, we're doing all that, but we let our kids know because we've got, they have a lot of toys. They've accumulated many things as we've added children to our family. And they have some awesome stuff. But we let them know that Christmas this year, as you get toys, you're going to give toys away. You're going to give to, to friends. You're going to give to families that may be in need. We're going to give uh, to organizations that are collecting toys. We're going to give toys away. And yesterday, we began to kind of sort through the toys. And Caroline brought to us her clip clop pony castle yes right nobody here probably even knows what a clip clop pony's castle is but she has played for the, with that toy for hours on end for about two and a half years and when she brought that it about broke my heart and I sat there and looked at her as she's willing to give this to somebody else and I thought my little girl is no longer a little girl anymore. She's little, but she's not the little bitty bitty girl that she used to be. You know what she's done? She's grown. Her maturity has grown. Not sure what that was behind the curtain. Her maturity has grown. Her size has grown. Her, she doesn't wear the same clothes anymore. She doesn't play with the same toys anymore. But you know what happens when we look at our faith and we look at church? We somehow find it cute and somehow find it normal to be the same two years later after you've been seemingly growing in Christ. You're still doing the same thing that you used to do. You're still talking the same way you used to talk. You're still treating the same people the same way that you treat them two years ago. But yet there should be, as with every single thing that is alive on this planet, there should be growth that happens there should be a leaving behind and a clinging to something new. There should be things that no longer fit anymore. Does that make sense this morning? There should be growth. We can't stay where we are because God has willed it and destined it for us to grow as a church. We must. Otherwise, you have that weird look. And you know what, the, you know what it is. Where somebody is just, <laughs> they're wearing clothes that no longer fit. You know, the, the, the high waters. And you think, well, that guy needs a new pair of pants. Or, or the maturity level is just not there as a church. There's a lot of talk, but very little delivery. I have great news for you that will not be us. That will not be you. 
Because God is inviting us to grow this year. And lastly, purpose. Amy and I love movies. And one of our favorite movies, Amy's my wife, by the way, (laughs) is Last of the Mohicans. It is a great movie. If you have not watched it, you have homework when service ends. It's to go find Last of the Mohicans and do yourself a favor. The music, outstanding. It's amazing. Here's what happens in the movie. I'm not ruining it for you. But the love, the love, the, you know, the, the, you've got, you've got the, the, the main character and the girl that he's interested in, and they're separated. And they're separated by miles and miles and miles of countryside. And in order for him to save his own life and hers, he has to jump out of a waterfall to save her life. It's a long story, but the one thing he looks, he looks at her in the eyes and he says to her, I will find you. And then he jumps. And the movie is devoted to him pursuing and finding the love of his life. I love this because so much of the time we come and we experience Christianity, we have church, we have our job and our family, and we have no compelling purpose that derives us, that gets us up out of our chair, so to speak, and gets you to leave where you are to go where God has called you. And God has called every single one of you to make a difference in his kingdom. And that purpose should wake you up. It should bother you. It should arrest you. It should create a little, uh, a little, your mouth should water at times at the desire to honor God and advance and further his kingdom. There is purpose to you being here. And it is beyond just making money. It is beyond just having a happy life. It is to honor God, make disciples, advance God's kingdom. And give him glory. We need purpose, don't we? Man, a great purpose will get you out of your chair and in the game. This is a precursor of what's to come in the next couple weeks. But do this. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Because this is going to outline in the Bible where we are heading. And by the way, when you're praying about resolutions, if you do that, or goals, I cannot encourage you more to be in Scripture as you do it. Be reading your Bible. Be reading God's very word to you because God will bring things to the surface. As I was praying for our church, this was the passage that I felt the Holy Spirit saying, this is the banner for our church this year, for 2016. It goes like this. Chapter 3, verse 11. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. It's an interesting passage. 
I recognize that. And yet God kept bringing me back to this passage, to this passage, to this passage. And here's why. I love that Paul is praying to God that God would clear the way. Wes and I were speaking this week. One of the things that churches are really great at are engaging people who grew up going to church and helping them have a spiritual awakening. And that's amazing. And I love that that's happening in our church. But I also want you to know that I believe God is inviting us to pray to him and to ask him to clear the way that those who do not know him, those who have never experienced him, those who have no other knowledge of God other than he might exist, maybe they're atheists or maybe they have pledged allegiance to another God. God, would you clear the way? Would you get everything out of the way? My faith for this year is that God would use you and this church to reach the lost. That there would truly be a clearing, a getting things out of the way for you to come with the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ to a broken and questioning world. And that is not easy. Paul had planted this church in Thessalonica. And in a matter, I think, of months, he was persecuted to the point where he had to leave. Meaning this church had just started. It had just begun. And he had to leave. And later on, he writes a letter. And if you read the context here, he's been nervous about finding out the spiritual condition of the church in Thessalonica. Because he had just started it and just left. And it was primarily filled with people who were Gentile and had been worshiping other gods. Meaning, they heard the good news. They left their God, decided to follow Jesus. Paul says, see ya. He writes a letter, finds out how they're doing, and they're doing great. The church is growing. And he says to them, God, I am praying that you would clear the way that I might be able to come to these people. Yes, many of them were new Christians, but make no mistake about Paul. He had a passion for one thing, and that was reaching people who did not know Jesus. God, clear the way. If you have been following the news at all, and I've posted a couple things about it on, on Facebook, then you might know that St. Louis is undergoing one of the worst floods that it has experienced in a long, long time. Specifically the area where I grew up, where I have friends, my high school is underwater, that I went to high school at, all the restaurants that I went to, many of them are completely submerged. There's no interstate access, no highway access. People are literally stuck in their homes. Water on all sides. And on a street that I am familiar with, there's helicopter footage of a house that has been ripped off its foundation and is floating 
down the street. Where I grew up. <laughs> you don't see that every day. Maybe the house was weak. I don't know. But here's what I, here's what I saw. I saw the power of water literally just clearing a new road, so to speak. Washing everything out of the way. And it was so powerful and it was so strong that it was able to rip a house off of its old foundation and begin to take it down the street. That is amazing. That is so much power. And yet the power that the God that we serve has is so much greater so much of the time we look at people and we think there's no way God could do that. God doesn't want to reach that person. That person is, is Muslim or that person is Hindu or Buddhist or an atheist. And I want you to know that if we would be a church who would get on our knees and pray for God to clear the way, we will see people pulled off that foundation and set on a new one. The one true foundation if you remember what was said about John the Baptist, the Bible says that he was sent to prepare the way for the one who was to come. In other words, he was clearing a path for Jesus. Jesus, who is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And as you are sitting here and have put your faith in Jesus, the very word of God comes and lives inside of you. And so now when we are praying, we pray like Paul, God, that you would clear away that we might be able to come and to come with the word and with the power and weight of the gospel. I'm not interested in just having a big church in 2016. That does not interest me. Would it be great for our budget? Yes. Yes, it would. But at the end of the day, if we just fill a room with more Christians and just feel great about ourselves, who really cares? God has more for us than that. clear the way we cannot stay here because God is clearing the way for us verse 12 says that may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you you know how your love overflows for one another You know how you grow in love for one another? It starts, I mean, yes, you can pray. That's the given. Jesus, yes, true. But in a church like ours, what, what, what causes love to abound and overflow is time spent with one another. This is real rocket science this morning. I, I realize that. I want you to hear this because these are simple things that we miss a great deal of the time. We lose our hunger for reaching the lost. And we lose our hunger to build with each other. We lose our thirst to, to love one another and spend time with one another. We have life groups here at the church, and it would be my great delight to see our church's life groups filled to the brim 
with people who are doing life with other Christians. Growing from one another, breaking bread with one another, learning to love each other through the ups and downs and hills and all the rough spots. I probably pray for patience more than any other thing in my entire life. God, oh, please help me have patience. Give me grace. Help me to have patience. And you know how God helps me have patience? By bringing me people that I have to be patient with. Otherwise, I don't ever grow in patience. Oftentimes, we look at our growth process as this magical potion that we would pray and drink, and suddenly, like Popeye, you just had some spinach, and you're, you're strong all of a sudden. God, just miraculously overnight, you got out of bed, and you're strong. You know the word. You love people better. You're patient. You're gracious. You're kind and respectful. No, that isn't how it actually works. If you want to grow in love for one another, he's going to bring you people that are going to force you to learn to love one another. And the only way you do that is by getting out of your little thing and spending time with one another. Doing life with one another. Eating with one another. Learning what other people need. Sacrificing for one another. To sacrifice for each other. Oh, and the Bible doesn't just say for one another. It says for everyone else. See, nothing marks a church and nothing will mark your life more powerfully than how you love the people in your life. Nothing. And when we look at our lives, sometimes we're really bad at it, aren't we? I mean, sometimes we're just so self-absorbed in our own world, in our own life, doing our own things, and we do it with the same people day in and day out. And God has invited us and asked us and charged us, yes, to love the ones we're with, and now to also love, to abound, to overflow in love to everyone around you. I meant to bring this book up on stage. I posted about it. Thank you. I read this over Christmas, and when I say it wrecked me, it wrecked me in a good way. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's about a Muslim man who becomes a Christian. And I was so grieved Excited, broken, convicted reading this book. I cannot encourage you to read it enough. If you want to understand Islam a bit better and understand some of the challenges that we face as a country, it's a great book to find. And it will also grip you to reach out to the people that don't think like you, that don't act like you, that don't believe like you, that don't eat the same foods as you. We have a Pakistanian, I think that's right. Is that right? Pakistanian, Pakistani, thank you. I have a lot to learn still. Pakistani gentleman in this book, and as he 
writes and you hear the torment in his soul over whether Jesus is true or not. The reality is for this gentleman, and that is so true statistically speaking, for people that are not Christians, is that they have no relationships with people who genuinely and passionately love Jesus. That should bother you. It should bother me that my, my Hindu neighbor and I have zero relationship and they're on the corner. It grieves me. And in 2016, that's going to change. It should bother me that I am content, not truly loving, make no mistake, it's not real love to simply ignore the relationships with people who do not know Jesus. And according to scripture, the only way to experience salvation and to know God is to know the one true God, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. If you would know the Father, you must know Jesus. And to simply walk and ignore and choose to avoid the difficult conversations, the difficult relationships, it's to actually not love the people around us. We're going to change that if that needs to be changed. That's where we're headed this year. God is clearing the way. And I believe God is charging us to love each other and to love the people around us. And this church, while our goal is not to simply just grow fat and big, make no mistake about it. When you see people who do not know Jesus coming and being broken and giving their life to Jesus Christ, this church will grow so fast like moth to the flame because so many Christians have never seen that and they desperately want to. That gets me excited. And lastly, <laughs> I believe 1 Thessalonians 3.13, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. We don't talk about it a whole lot because we're very present-minded, but Jesus is coming back. He is returning. And we are charged to live our lives as if that is happening tomorrow or tonight, today. And yet oftentimes we don't really care, do we? We just live flippantly, casually. And this is going to be a year where God does a marked work in us in regards to holiness. Holiness is an unpopular word, especially in Christendom and around the United States, to somehow be holy, to abstain from something, to choose not to partake in something is considered religious. It's considered stuffy. You're considered judgmental. And yet the Bible God calls us to be holy and set apart, to be blameless. And yet many of us are not. I mentioned previously that we have four children and 
Amy and I, my wife and I have yet to do a Christmas yet with our family in our town, which means every Christmas since we've started having children, we've been on the road. And let me just tell you, side note, driving with four children in the car that are all under six is a job. And when you're driving through and get bottlenecked in Chattanooga, you want to curse everything that exists in the world. And it happens, I think, just about every time. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your head because you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it is right. But what, has, what we've learned to do is get pretty good at traveling. We've gotten pretty good at driving. We've gotten pretty good at predicting some things and, and planning appropriately. And one of the things that people underestimate in driving is the condition of their tires. Every time you see it on a big road trip, the blowout. Every time. And it's generally because of two things. Your tires are worn out or, surprise, they're not inflated properly. You're not getting the actual mileage that you could get and your tires wear out more, more quickly. And holiness is one of those things. It's, it's like a tire that loses air. You don't know that your tire is losing air. You just don't pay attention to it until it's too late. It just erupts and pops on the side of the road and dadgum it. Hopefully you weren't going too fast at the time. And our holiness is very much the same. The, the purity of our heart, the, the holiness that we, we carry before God, the blamelessness. It's one of those things where you may not care much about it and it doesn't seem to actually impact your life on a day-to-day -day basis until the tire blows and everything actually comes to a, a culminating moment and you're left stranded. Figuring out what to do. Your life, your marriage, your job, your relationship with God, all of it suffers. All because you didn't care about what was important here. As we're looking at this year, I do so with sobriety. I also do so with, with great expectation that God would clear the way for those who do not know Jesus to know him. That God would grow our love for one another to the point of abounding, overflowing, life-changing, impacting love for one another in our community our city and that God would, would arrest our hearts for a hunger for his righteousness that we would thirst for it that we would hunger for it and that when Jesus finally does return whenever that day might be he would look at this church and be able to say there's a church 
whose light didn't go out, whose first love for me didn't become extinguished, but hungered and thirsted for that which truly mattered. And that's me being holy, living your life for his glory and his honor and his glory and honor alone. That is what I'm believing for in 2016 for you, for this church. And in the weeks to come, you're going to see how we're planning to do some of that. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be an exciting year. But we can't stay.